Well, Christmas is noisy. There are parties, there are music, there's umpteen carol services and concerts. Christmas may be a busy time of year for vicars, but compared to music teachers, directors of choirs, we have it to doddle for us. And that's right, because Christmas is a celebration. Heavenly choirs sing glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. And earth joins in with the chorus, O come, let us adore him. But there's another response, and it's that which I wish to speak about tonight. It's the response of silence. The prophet Zechariah declared, Be silent, all people, before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Now this is not the sound of silence as absence if God does not exist. It's not the silence of the dead, the silence which mocks our dreams and our love. It's not the silence that if God is dead will fall on our universe in multi-billions of years like a heavy, damp blanket that will smother everything that is and turn it into what is not. No, because God is there and this is a different kind of silence. It's the silence of awe. Perhaps you have been to an exceptional concert. It comes to an end and there is no applause. What has happened requires more than applause. It's almost as if people are stunned into silence as if they're saying, oh my word, what have I heard? And then after a few moments of silence, there is an explosion of applause. The Bible says that there will be silence in heaven for half an hour. It is as if when we see God's work in all its beauty, when we meet with his truth, his wisdom, his love, when we see him, we will be so stunned that there will simply be no place for words. And as we look at that baby lying in the manger, we begin to realize that what has happened here is so big that words cannot begin to express the reality. God has come down from heaven and has become a human baby. A couple of weeks ago, some children from Guildhall Fefman Primary came to find out about Advent. One seven-year-old said quietly to me, I don't believe in God because my dad says that God is not up there. I found myself completely flawed. Not, of course, because I believe that God is literally up there. If he was, Tim Peake would be able to tell us. But I was silenced because I couldn't think how to explain to a seven-year-old the fact that we can only speak and think in categories of space and time, and God is far bigger beyond space and time. I tried to say that, but I realized I'd lost him. 
It was one of our stewards who suggested that I should have used the language of multiple dimensions because any self-respecting seven-year-old who watches Doctor Who will understand that. The reality of Christmas is that the eternal Son of God becomes a human being. He steps out of his infinite dimensional world into our three, four, maybe eleven-dimension world. God is out there. All we need to do is cut through the fabric of space and time to see him. But we can't do that. He can. And the God who is life but bigger than life, who is without beginning and end, absolutely other, who created us and all things, who created space and time, becomes one of us. He becomes part of the very reality that he created. It is as if I painted a picture, and in that picture are characters, and I wish to communicate with those characters. So I step into that picture. I become one of the characters. I leave my three-dimensional world. I limit myself in order to enter the two-dimensional world. So God breaks into our universe. He implants himself in the womb of Mary and becomes one of us. He shares our nature, our frailties, our mortality. He's born a human baby. He grows as a human child. He dies an awful human death. Or to use slightly different language, the one who is up there comes down here. The one who is robed in glory strips off his robes and wraps himself in swaddling cloths. He exchanges the unimaginable wealth of heaven for a cattle feeding trough. He swaps the worship of angels in angelic tongues for the stuttering praises of shepherds. And he does it all because he loves us. No wonder we are called to silence. This is the performance which blows all other performances out of the water. And secondly, this is the silence of speechlessness. Zechariah is saying when God gets off his throne, when he comes to earth, human boasting will be silenced. God will expose all that is not right. And Zechariah identifies some of those things, injustice, lies, the exploitation of those who have less power than us, of those who are in some way dependent on us. And Zechariah continues, people steal from each other, they don't keep their word, they show no mercy, and they plot evil against one another. The problem is that we like to make ourselves look good. We want to justify ourselves and our actions to ourselves and to others. We talk about others in a way that makes them look bad and us look good. But, says Zechariah, when God comes, we will be silenced. I, I really felt for Richard on The Apprentice last week. He has been so good through the process. And he appeared confident, sure of himself, certain that he would win. And then in the interviews, as his business plan was shown to have fatal flaws... At first, he pretended to his competitors all was going well. And then suddenly, it was like a balloon bursting. 
He, he suddenly became very real, very, very vulnerable. He had nothing to say, and he was silent. As we look at Christmas, God becoming human, we begin to see what love is all about. Love is about sacrificing ourselves in order that others might grow to become what God created them to be. And in that burning light of love, we see the overwhelming darkness of our self-centeredness, pride, judgmentalism, and fear. And we are silenced. I recall when I was in the sixth form and it became the cool thing to do to mock one of the girls who was not physically attractive. I don't think I joined in. As a gawky teenager, I at least had the integrity to realize I didn't have much of a leg to stand on. But rather than provoke the wrath of the in-crowd, I said nothing and I laughed at the jokes. I remember with deep shame the time that I saw a young man start a completely unprovoked violent attack on one of the older men who often sat outside our church when I was in Holloway. And I simply walked away. I was too afraid to get involved. I think of how in my arrogance I judged and condemned people often for doing the very things I do now, and before God, before his example of self-sacrificial love, I am silenced. Thirdly, this is the silence of trust. It's the silence of one who has stopped trying to justify themselves and has put her or his trust in the God who gave himself to us. Most people think the Christian faith is about doing, doing good. But actually, the Christian faith doesn't begin with doing. It begins with receiving. It's all gift. The reason the baby was born was because God was giving us himself. All we need to do is trust him and receive him. And we can come into this most wonderful of relationships with God. It begins with receiving the astonishing gift of forgiveness. Yes, we have to be aware we need forgiveness and we can't earn it. Whatever you do now, you will never put right what you have done. People were hurt and lives were scarred and those scars remain. But that doesn't mean that God can't do something it doesn't mean God has written us off. Jesus died on the cross in our place. That shows us just how awful our sin is. The penalty was the cross. But it also means the price has been paid. And because Jesus died on the cross and because he came, there's a country called forgiveness. You don't need a passport or a ticket to travel there. It's right here, right now. All we need to do is to stop trying to prove ourselves and trust God that he's done everything necessary. And living the Christian life is about receiving the amazing life that God would give us. Our last reading spoke of how those who received Jesus, who believed in his name, God gave them the power to be, to live as sons and daughters of God. The Archbishop wrote recently, 
People often ask me why I'm a Christian. Here's what I tell them. I'm a Christian because Jesus Christ found me and called me around 40 years ago. I'm a Christian because it makes sense to me because Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death and sin and suffering. I'm a Christian because in Jesus I see the God who didn't say, this is how you lot have got to behave and I'm going to watch you and judge you. Instead, he came alongside us and lived in the middle of the absolute foulest mess and died unjustly young in great agony and bore all that was wrong in this world on his shoulders. I'm a Christian because in my own experience, I've run away and God has met me and yet not been angry with me. When I failed, he's picked me up and healed and strengthened me. That's why I'm a Christian and that's why whatever happens, whatever stupid mistakes, I know that even at the end of it all, even if everything else fails, God doesn't. And he will not fail even to the end of my life. On one occasion, our family were all around the table and everybody was speaking. One of our children, who will remain nameless, he was very little at the time, couldn't get a word in. He was getting more and more frustrated. So he suddenly stood up on his chair and he shouted out, everybody listen to me. So much of our noise, our chatter, and I include our chatter on social media, is saying, listen to me, I'm somebody, my views count, I matter. But the silence that we're invited to enter this Christmas is the silence of knowing that we do not need to make that noise. It's the silence, as the psalmist says, of a small child who has calmed himself, herself, with their mother. God loves us. We're forgiven and we do matter eternally. And we don't need to say a word. All we need to do is receive Jesus and put our trust in him. And fourthly, this is the silence of expectation. The insomniacs among us will be aware that there is the pre-dawn chorus and then just before the dawn, everything goes quiet. It's almost as if the birds are waiting in silent expectation for the rising of the sun. Zechariah calls us to this silence of expectation, of waiting in breathless anticipation for what is going to happen. There's a very early legend that Joseph had gone off to find a midwife. Mary is still in the cave. And as Joseph is walking into the village, suddenly everything stops. Joseph sees a shepherd in the field dipping his bread into the pot and his hand arrested halfway to his mouth. A bird in mid-heaven halts as it flies. For a moment, everything stands still. Then movement begins again. And Joseph knows that the birth has happened in that moment of absolute stillness. Time probably did not stop on earth when Christ was born, but heaven held its breath. God was doing something astonishingly new, stepping into his creation, becoming human. It was the miracle of divine new birth. Nothing was fixed. All bets were off. Anything could happen. And the miracle of that new birth is a miracle that's repeated whenever a man, woman, girl or boy puts their trust in Jesus, receives his forgiveness and new life. 
The Bible tells us that in some way that words cannot fully explain, Christ is born in our hearts and takes up residence in our lives. O holy child of Bethlehem, we've sung, descend to us, we pray, cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. That's why we do talk about becoming a Christian as being born again, not physically, but spiritually. Don't knock that language of being born again because of stereotypes. It's about becoming a new person, and when that happens, the past is gone. We're forgiven, nothing is fixed, all bets are off, and anything can happen. People who have no future can discover a hope. My prayer this year is that you will discover the silence of Christmas, the silence of awe. Here is something that's much bigger than words. The silence of realising we have nothing to say as we stand before this God. The silence of trust, stopping trying to justify ourselves and simply coming to him, placing our hand in his hand, and receiving the gift of forgiveness and new life. And the silence of expectation, for with God all things are possible, and who knows what he can do in you and through you. The silence, of course, is just the beginning. It does not have the last word. It is a silence that gives way to praise, and one day, when the concert is over and all dissonances are resolved in stunning, glorious harmony, the vast congregation that includes people from all nations and all times will sit in stunned silence. And then, as one, all things in heaven and earth visible and invisible, will rise and the silence will give way to the explosion of praise. Oh, come, let us adore him. Amen.